welcome to Sleep for Performance Radio Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the previous episodes that we have been doing for the last six months. There's no guest today, it'll just be me talking and it'll be a fairly short podcast. And the goal of this podcast and subsequent podcasts for the next few weeks that will be released in between the guests will be to explain some of the research that I've been doing over the last three to four years. Since I finished my PhD at the University of Western Australia in conjunction with the Western Force and AIS, many people have been asking me about my research, either face-to-face, on the phone or via email, and I thought the best thing to do maybe was to break down this uh, beast of a thesis, 250-odd pages, into a series of podcasts where I break down the manageable chunks that you may be able to listen to. This will save you the time of either trying to get a hold of me, ask the question, or trying to go and find a scientific publication somewhere that may be published or may be in review currently. So this PhD thesis has been submitted and there may be some changes after the examination, but for now, um, this is how it is. (laughs) Um, So what we'll do today is we'll focus really on chapter one, the introduction. Sleep is increasingly recognized as being an essential component of performance and recovery in elite athletes. Sleep may be negatively affected during training and competition as a result of factors such as the use of ergogenic aids, which include caffeine, and the evening use of electronic devices and the potential presence of sleep disorders, all of which can also affect cognition, alertness, and physical performance of athletes. Within this thesis, we will describe five studies. The five studies described in this PhD thesis saw to number one, validate a wrist activity monitor to provide automated measures of sleep. Two, determine the effects on sleep and performance of elite judo athletes when electronic devices are temporarily removed. Three, describe the change in sleep, wake and alertness in elite rugby players before and after an evening super rugby game. Four, describe game-related changes in saliva, caffeine levels, and sleep in elite rugby players before and after an evening super rugby game. And five, determine the prevalence of undiagnosed sleep disorders in a professional super rugby team. Activity monitor was the ready band. We used this to assess sleep. Results from two wrist activity monitors, the ready band, and another well-known device, the Actigraph, were compared against measurements obtained from in-laboratory polysomnography, otherwise known as PSG. Polysomnography is the gold standard for measurement of sleep in a laboratory. And we also measured these devices when worn at home for an additional seven nights. The ready band device was then used to assess sleep in the elite judo athletes whereby we removed the electronic devices temporarily, and elite rugby union players. In study two, where we removed the electronic devices from judo athletes, we also examined the effects on cognition and physical performance of this temporary removal of electronic devices for a period of 48 hours. 
Over six consecutive days and nights, 23 elite Australian judo athletes were monitored while attending a camp at the Australian Institute of Sport, the AIS. In 14 of those athletes, all electronic devices were removed on days three and four. These became the device restricted group, while the remaining nine were permitted to use their devices throughout the camp, and these were determined to be the control group. Electronic devices were returned to the device restricted group on days five and six. Self-reported sleep measures, electronic device use, and rate of perceived exertion during training periods were collected from each athlete. Study three, we assessed the sleep and wake patterns and alertness using a biomathematical model, which is called safety, alertness, fatigue, task, effectiveness. And it's commonly referred to as the safety model, S-A-F-T-E. And we measured these sleep and wake patterns and alertness using the ready band and the biomathematical modeling safety in 36 rugby players over a seven day period that included the night of an evening super rugby game. Of particular interest, we wanted to see the sleep patterns of those who were selected to play the game on the Saturday night, which was 23 players, 15 of those being on the field at any one time and having eight interchanges or substitutes. And then those who did not play from the greater squad, the additional 13, who may have attended the game but sat in the stands to observe the game. Our fourth study, study four, described game-related saliva caffeine levels and associated sleep patterns in 23 rugby players. So this was the 23 who played that game that night and were the interchanges. And what we did here was we collected saliva samples and analyzed them. And we collected the saliva samples before the game at five o'clock. It's 5 p.m. in the evening and after the game at 9.30 p.m. And the game was played from 7 to 9 roughly. And a rugby union game is 80 minutes, give or take, with half-time break and any additional time as deemed so by the referee. Study 5 sought to determine the prevalence of sleep disorders in 25 elite rugby players using laboratory-based PSG. And as I said in the first study for the ready band, this is the gold standard. So we took 25 of these elite rugby players, many of them which have played international rugby, and um, assessed them for sleep disorders using this laboratory-based PSG and sleep-specific questionnaires. Now before we go on from the methods here, it's probably worth noting a few things. Number one, that the ready band has never been validated in a laboratory for publication. It's been validated by the, the company itself. Um, Biomathematical modeling has not been published or used in terms of alertness in any sporting application. There is no paper that looks at game-related saliva caffeine concentration levels and its effect on sleep in Super Rugby. And we, there is no papers in Rugby Union that looks at um, the prevalence of sleep disorders in elite athletes and particularly in rugby athletes now there is some in some other players playing groups such as nfl and uh, ice hockey and when we get into that specific chapter we will discuss those more thoroughly so what do we find what's a brief overview in study one so this is when we um basically validated a ready band device compared to a night in laboratory psg the ready band device underestimated time at lights out so the time the person tried to initiate sleep it underestimated sleep onset. This is the time to fell asleep 
and underestimate wake after sleep onset. And this is commonly like known as the, the minutes awake throughout the night. And it's quite normal for, normal for people to have some awakening throughout the night. Now the ready band did overestimate sleep latency. This is the time it takes to fall asleep and did overestimate sleep duration. And this is compared to the PSG, the gold standard. But the actigraph kind of behaves similar. So in terms of analyzing against a well-known device, it behaved quite similar. The actigraph, act, actigraph device underestimated sleep latency and wake after sleep onset and overestimated sleep efficiency, which is like a quality measure and also overestimated sleep duration. There were similar differences in sleep measures observed between devices when worn at home um, in addition to the night in the laboratory. In the second study, where we took the electronic devices away for a period of 48 hours in the judo athletes, it did not alter any measure of sleep, physical or cognitive function between the groups. So when we had the device restricted and control group, there was no difference between both of these groups. However, on the last morning of the camp, the time at wake was later in both groups, which resulted in an increase in sleep duration. And this was a significant finding within the control group. And this was mainly due to um, a delay in the training start time, which actually facilitated or enabled this increase in sleep duration. When comparing the ready band measures from the sleep or the sleep watch measures of sleep to subjective reports, athletes significantly overestimated their sleep duration by 58 minutes per night. And it was a variation here of 85 minutes. So this is quite an overestimation of sleep. So when we look at what athletes think they got and what they actually got, they were overestimating by on average an hour here, 58 minutes. And they also underestimated time that they fell asleep by 40 minutes per night. So when we look at studies three and four, this is around looking at sleep in rugby players during the week of a game and also um, the caffeine usage. In those rugby players selected to play the game, sleep duration progressively increased on the three nights prior to the game. So if the game was on a Saturday night, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they progressively increased their sleep throughout those nights. So it seems to be a kind of a strategy of sleep optimization or sleep banking, as it may be known as well, prior to the game. And they increased from Wednesday to Friday by 92 minutes or an hour and a half. Compared to these three Three pre-game nights, players who were selected to play went to bed very late after the game. So on average, players fell asleep at like half two in the morning after the game versus roughly about 11 o'clock during the week and had a decreased sleep duration compared to pre-game nights. So their sleep was down to approximately five hours um, after the game or even lower in some versus four, uh, seven and a half hours um, on all the other nights. And most notably here, four players did not achieve any sleep after the game due to high levels of alertness. What was interesting with the use of the biomathematical modeling here is that levels of alertness when estimated were all above 90%. Now the modeling uses a scale of zero to 100%. 90 to 100 is optimal, so you have no degradation in reaction time or cognitive function. Once you get below um, 80%, then you start experiencing um, reduce reaction time. So as an example, 77% on this model could be equated to 0.05 blood alcohol concentrate in terms of reaction time and 70% is equated to 0.08. But all of these players were well above 90, showing that 
sleep prior to the game was good and that they were achieving enough sleep to basically enable, enable good cognitive performance for the time of the game on the Saturday night. However, when we speak about this post-game sleep and a significant reduction in sleep duration, whilst we can't confidently say this, we can see that um, saliva, caffeine saliva concentrates did substantially uh, increase from pre-game to post-game, and a number of these caffeine saliva, saliva concentrates showed um, a significant increase after the game as well, so maybe a mistiming of caffeine, which we'll discuss in that chapter. In the final study, study five, mild obstructive sleep apnea, OSA, um, which many people will be aware of, uh, is assessed by using what we call an apnea hypopnea index, an AHI. And so if you have greater than five events per hour, this is, indicates mild sleep apnea, and greater than five, um, sorry, 15 events would put you into another bracket and then above 30 as well. So it's kind of, kind of stratified, the higher you go, the worse it gets. So in this study, we found out of the 25 players that were assessed for sleep disorders in the laboratory, that 24% of them, or six of them, in actual numbers, had mild obstructive sleep apnea, and this is greater than uh, five events per hour. Abnormally high number of periodic leg movements during sleep, so greater than 15 events per hour, were seen in 12%. This is three players, and these were not the same players that had the OSA and all players were categorized as having sub-threshold insomnia from uh, completion of the insomnia severity index. And so they had scores between eight and 14. And all players had excessive daytime sleepiness as um, recorded by the upward sleepiness scale. So they all had a score greater than 10. So in conclusion, in this introduction chapter, which really gives us just an overview of the the upcoming chapters, obtaining meaningful field-based measurements of sleep and wake patterns in professional athletes, particularly those participating in combat sports such as judo and contact sports such as rugby, requires a device that is non-intrusive, robust, reliable, accurate, and does not require user input. And that really is what the ready band is. It's used in high-risk injuries or in industries um, where impact may be possible so mining oil and gas military and so on so it's very useful in this situation or in this context the initial study undertaken in this thesis showed that the ready band met all the requirements and was similarly accurate to the actograph device for measuring sleep and wake when worn in a sleep laboratory and at home so really this chapter which was published in sleep and biological rhythms the journal shows that the ready band is just as good the second study of the thesis found that the removal of electronic device, devices for a period of 48 hours had no effect on time at sleep onset or sleep duration of elite judo athletes who were attending a training camp. It is possible that such a finding is limited to, to the young athletes who participate in this study, as the age group will participate in late evening use of electronic devices and high social media use, and they will tend to have an owl chronotype, so to go to bed later and get up later. And given that the fact that all of these athletes were approximately 18 years of age, um, this is not such a surprise in this. So such biological and behavioral factors make it difficult to encourage athletes to go to bed earlier, because that's just basically how they are at that age, and difficult to increase their sleep duration in this way. Whereas allowing athletes to sleep later the next morning or delaying the start time may be a more productive strategy to increase sleep, sleep duration. And it is notable that we actually observed this um, 
on the final day of this study where a delay in the start time occurred, we did see um, a significant increase in sleep duration, particularly in that control group. And so a practical recommendation of this study could be that daily training start times should be delayed until after 8am in young athletes. And in general, the scheduling of training camps should be designed to consider sleep and recovery in order to optimise training, efficacy, consolidation of skills and overall performance. The third study undertaken in rugby players showed that sleep duration progressively increased in the nights leading up to the Super Rugby home game, particularly in those who were selected to play the game. The increase in sleep duration was mainly due to a delay in the wake time on the next, sorry, on the two days before a camp. So this is very similar to what we found in the judo athletes as well. The delay in time of wake in the morning was supported by the athletic staff who scheduled training sessions for late morning or afternoon. These findings are consistent with the judo athletes, as we said. In rugby union players, sleep after game is significantly delayed and reduced compared to all other nights. And this may be due to a number of different factors. So there's obviously the physical simulation, particularly playing a contact game such as rugby union, um, the need to participate in a post-game recovery session and contract contractual requirements to participate in post-game media conferences. So by the time a game finishes, it could be you know up to three hours by the time they've kind of done their media, had a shower, recovery, had a meal, whatever it might be. So it's possible in this situation that it was up to you know at least midnight. And then obviously there was significant increase in caffeine, which would have contributed to this delay in time of sleep onset. A surprising finding in the fifth study was the extremely high prevalence 100% of athletes had daytime sleepiness and sub-threshold insomnia. While the questionnaires used to determine sleepiness and insomnia, being the ESS and ISI, have been validated for use in the general population, it is likely that the high scores of the athletes are due to other factors and not just the presence of sleep disorders. Such factors could include the effects on sleep of daily training sessions, injury, travel resulting in circadian alignment, and pre and pre and post game competition. These findings point to the need to develop and validate sleepiness and insomnia questionnaires specifically for use in athletes. The fifth study also showed that the prevalence of OSA in rugby team being 24% is comparable to OSA prevalence estimates from the National Football League or the NFL, commonly known as American football, of 19% of their players, but lower than recent estimates in the general population of up to 50%. It was notable that there was no difference in prevalence rates between forwards and backs, despite marked differences in BMI, that being body mass index. And such a finding suggests that body mass index, one of the strongest risk factors for OSA in the general population, might not be an important risk factor to the, for the development of OSA in professional rugby union players. Regardless of the underlying mechanism, OSA results in fragmented sleep, results in fragmented sleep, which could adversely affect elite athletic performance. In this regard, it was notable that 12% of players had an abnormal high number of periodic leg movements during sleep, which could also decrease quality of the sleep and impair performance. These findings suggest that elite sports teams should consider implementing processes to identify and manage players that may have sleep disorders. So that's a very 
brief intro to the entire thesis, um, which is about you know sort of six pages. In the next episode, what I'm going to do is go through the existing literature on sleep, sleep disorders, and performance in athletes. And given the length of the lit- literature review, that is going to have to be broken down into a number of different, probably smaller podcasts because it is quite lengthy. And so some of those chapters coming up, which will be kind of good if you are interested in this because it'll give you a really good understanding and background on to sleep and performance in the athletes and what has been done and what not, what has not been done. Um, so we'll probably start off there with the first chapter being uh, the, f- the next podcast or the first section being sleep and circadian rhythms. So this will be more of a general scientific background, how to measure sleep, objective in the lab and so on. And um, the third one being sleep, sleep disorders and performance in athletic populations will start getting into more of those sleep and athletes. So I foresee that the lit review probably being broken down into at least uh, three to four mini podcasts similar to this to go through it and uh, give a bit of background on sleep and performance uh, research in athletes. And uh, like I said, I think a lot of people think a lot has been done and uh, there has been, uh, but there's also a lot we can do. But it is great to hear as you would have heard on this podcast, many people getting into this area of research and more stuff coming out. So I hope you enjoyed this small introduction chapter to this research that I've been working on the last three or four years. As always, you can contact me at ianduniken at sleepforperformance.com.au. Don't forget to head over to sleepforperformance.com.au. And if you're looking for any support in industry, in mining, oil and gas, around fatigue risk management, you can contact me as well at Sleep for Performance. And for health, safety and business improvement support, you can contact me at Melius, M-E-L-I-U-S Consulting, whereby we support businesses in improving health, safety and business improvement to optimise health, safety and productivity in a business. So offering holistic solutions there in terms of uh, your organization more more will be coming out on that in the next few weeks so hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time sleep well